Welcome, everybody. Uh, you're listening to the Hall of Kings. I'm your host, Alt Monarchist. And good afternoon, everyone, and good evening. My name is Mio Dio, aka the King of Wow Reacts. I'd like to welcome everyone to the show. How's everyone doing? Yeah, I'm sure uh, everyone's doing fine tonight, especially if they're listening to two awesome guys like us. Heck yeah, buddy. That's what I'm All talking right. about. Yeah, so our topic today is um, right-wing alternatives to capitalism. That's and, an interesting topic, my friend. Interesting topic. Oh, yeah, and I think it's uh, controversial. Actually, it is controversial. <laughs> yeah. I think controversial is putting it a little bit light, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, basically, uh, I guess uh, when you start uh, explaining to... The typical conservative, like the MAGA type of person, or just a baby boomer, uh, or someone from TPUSA, you explain to them about right-wing socialism, or or third positionism, or some other alternative to capitalism. They're always like, "What do you mean? Like, I, I don't get it. It sounds like communism. Like, basically everything that they don't understand is cap is communism. You either have capitalism or communism. Like, they don't see any other." alternatives right. uh, to those ideologies was an incredible knee-jerk reaction you get from any sort of right winger any sort of mainstream right right wing you're right you talk about your type of establishment republican a mainstream republican a new sort of um make america great republican even libertarians any sort of the sort of mainstream republicans anytime you say socialism oh my god it's a knee-jerk reaction but there's so many countries in the world with whom we are aligned you know in in terms of the united states that actually are what through uh by and large socialistic you know there are countries like uh germany there's countries like israel for instance that have uh socialistic economic measures in place yet we don't really talk about that because of course we want to remain everyone a good ally in the world yeah and also uh one thing I, i don't understand is how um like how how can people associate uh like non-capitalist countries with dictatorships as well i'm thinking like you can still have a capitalist country and still be a dictatorship at the same time like uh like you don't uh, like yeah you could be socialistic and dictatorial but you could also be socialistic and non-dictatorial at the same time correct absolutely um there's there's authoritarian socialism and then there's authoritarian capitalism capitalism and socialism these are both simply economic systems they aren't forms of government and so there can be a dictator at the top of a country with a socialistic economic measure uh, with a socialistic economic system excuse me and then on the other side of the coin there can be a dictator at the top of a, at the head of a country with a capitalist economic system authoritarianism knows no bounds when it comes to economic systems it's just a way of government yeah like uh, i i'd say that, that's what i always try to tell people uh it's based they're both uh, or or let's just say capitalism socialism communism they're all just economic theories they're not necessarily political theories Like uh to a certain I guess to a certain extent they could uh influence uh actual politics to a certain extent 
but in the end in the long run they're just economic theories like um like they're not political theories and the key word there my friend is theories these are all just theories you know in the real world you know there are lots of countries who have both communism not communism but socialist socialistic and capitalistic measures in their economic system it's like saying that true capitalism or true communism can actually exist you know you talk to some actual communists or you talk to some anarcho capitalists they truly believe that such a thing as anarcho capitalism or anarcho communism can actually exist and the fact is is that it can't because it like the word says it's just a theory yeah like um yeah well especially it's kind of hard for anything to exist especially if it's anarcho <laughs> yeah like 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 if you have no government you basically have no there's no point to having an economy <laughs> oh for sure like, absolutely yeah. I yeah, mean, uh, I mean, if, I mean, if yeah. you take a look at Marxist, com- if you take a look at, if you read into Marxist uh, thought and theory without getting brainwashed, um, you'll note that there are several stages of uh, communism. There's, was it pre, um, there's like, it, what's it called, primordial communism, in which uh, people lived in tribes throughout all of the world, and they had, you know, you know, some sort of, they had a lot of, it was collectivistic, is what I'm trying to get at. And they worked together for the most part um, to make sure, you know, their tribe or their their nation or not nation, but their tribe or their people uh, were effectively governed. But it wasn't with a government itself. It's just in the sense that the people were, you know, they were over they they were their own overlords if that makes sense yeah. there are other stages yeah. like there is a feudalism capitalism socialism and then with the ultimate goal of communism at least according to marx but then again yeah. it's just a theory yeah and like just like with capitalism there are different variations of capitalism basically uh, if you look at uh, or if you um, talk to a regular um, Baby boom, or talk to some TPUSA millennial, or just any establishment conservative. Uh, when you talk to them about capitalism, they're trying to conflate modern-day capitalism in 2020 with pre-industrial revolution capitalism, and they're trying to kind of make it sound like it's like this the same thing. When in reality, it's not. If you look at pre-industrial revolution capitalism, uh, it didn't really bother anybody. I mean, uh, countries more were more rural, more agricultural. Uh, and so it kind of made sense, you know, like uh, people would just uh, trade uh, without regulation, people make money, but then it would evolve. When the Industrial Revolution sparked, uh, you basically had a monopolism. Um, basically, uh, you had these capitalists who made it to the top and did not want any more competition. And so, like, uh, and, and so if you read historically, a lot of these uh, greedy capitalists, uh, or uh, they would sponsor socialistic or communistic revolutions in other countries that are thre- that are threatening their wealth. Um, I, I, re- I always like to reference this book, uh, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Re- Revolution. Um, basically, um, like it just shows how like um, uh, once capitalism like uh, gets to this like major point where um, like there's like so few rich wealthy men, they don't want to share that wealth with, any- with anybody else. They don't want any more competition. 
and and so like they, they would sponsor uh, revolutions in other countries to overthrow other capitalist systems um, and, which makes and, sense you know I mean yeah, if you take a look yeah, at the and, natural course of the free market it has yes, a and, tendency and, to monopolize exactly and, and like if you look at uh, today like capitalism today it's completely different than what it was pre-industrial revolution era oh absolutely yeah and, and, absolutely. and what else uh yeah, and like, like uh, anarchic, so to speak. Yeah, and and, and like regulated now. Exactly, and establishment conservatives uh, try to say, "Well, capitalism built this country," but when you look at America's history, it was sort of socialistic in a sense. Um, for example, um, uh, if you look back at uh, the pre-Civil War era, um, like yes, America w- was more capitalistic, but there were some socialistic tendencies there. Uh, because when you think about the politics earlier, we mentioned uh, how um, there is um, a difference between uh, economic theories and political theories, right? Uh, in the 1850s, when uh, socialists tried tried to overthrow the Aust- the Austrian monarchy, right, uh, and they were going to win, they almost won, but the uh, the Russian Empire sent troops to to help the Austrian monarchy quell these Austrian socialist revolutionaries. The U.S. Congress was contemplating on sending U.S. soldiers to fight against the Russians in Austria to help support the socialist revolutionaries in Austria. Think about that, right? <laughs> like, uh, like, like our government back then wasn't really like, uh, didn't, care, didn't care that those revolutionaries were socialists. They didn't care about that. You know, they're, they're thinking more in terms of, well, they're uh, anti-monarchy, they want to establish a republic. That was what that was what they were thinking about. They didn't care if they were socialists or not. Correct. And yeah, and yeah, and so uh, today, when the establishment conservatives talk about how uh, America was was built on capitalism, it kind of was true, but there were socialist elements. Uh, if you study American history after the Civil War, uh, you have lots of unions. You even had a huge third party called the Populist Party. Uh, many Americans. Join uh, join this because they want they were fighting for workers' rights it's because um, the greedy capitalist the businessmen they started to pay low wages you know and so we had unions and we have unions t- to this very day uh, we have workers' rights today you know like that's another part of the uh, part of American history that's um I guess you could say it wasn't just capitalism itself that built this country it was the fact that there were organizations that fought for workers' rights and workers had incentives to work better knowing that there's someone uh, protecting them guarantee guaranteeing their paycheck no absolutely it's, it's so true i mean like, like i was referring to earlier with the tendency of the free market to monopolize the tendency another tendency inherent tendency of the free market capitalism that is is to pay lower wages you know one one of the things about capitalism is that it's supposed to um free up and it's supposed to be more efficient the means of production capitalism is to improve the improve and make more efficient the means of production and what a consequence of that is is lower wages and a lessening of available jobs in the market due to um, different types of jobs being created now one thing i wanted to uh, refer to really quick was what you mentioned earlier about how we were essentially supporting socialists, you know, the socialist uprising in Austria, um, they were basically supporting social, socialists. It's almost the same thing. You could make the argument 
in present in the present day United States with the United States and this is a bit of a controversial statement and subject, but I have to say it with the United States and Israel. If you take a look at um, you know groups like the Republican Party and Turning Point USA, again they're very anti-socialism, but uh, they love the Israeli state. Well, let's take a look at the Israeli state really quick. And when it comes to socialism, first off, universal, they have universal, they have a universal healthcare system. It's compulsory, meaning that everyone is covered. Prescription drugs are free. In recent years, you have, you pay a nominal fee, but it's essentially free. When new immigrants come to Israel, they get what's called an absorption basket, which includes cash gifts, unemployment subsidies, housing benefits, interest-free loans, and your one-way ticket to Israel, it's all paid. Uh, all children in Israel are covered with a monthly childcare allowance. Daycare for single parents is free, plus daycare expenditures are tax-deductible. And when it comes to nationalization of banks, something that Republicans and, and most anyone on the right would be opposed to, in 1983, four Israeli banks were nationalized. Where they were nationalized by the Israeli government, and and now currently uh, there are 159 businesses in Israel that are owned by the state of Israel. Now think about that. I mean, if you had something like that in the United States, if the Democrats, for instance, if the Democrats uh, supported or did something like that or tried to um, implement something like that in the United States, Republicans would freak out. They would absolutely freak out. You'd see a mass triggering of Republicans, but when it comes to supporting that in Israel, um, they don't bat and they don't bat an eye. They don't say a word. So it's really interesting. It's okay for them, but it's not okay for Republicans to support here in the United States. I find something somewhat disconcerting about that. Wouldn't you, my friend? Yeah, like, or basically, like, recently with the whole stimulus package, you know, like, uh, I was thinking, oh, whatever, right? Like, um, like, uh, government's spending money anyway, so, like, our economy's already, <laughs> uh, like, we're already trillions of dollars, dollars in debt anyway, so it doesn't matter. But with this whole stimulus check, right, when uh, the Republicans, or Trump, when he, when he passed this uh, stimulus check and we all got our 1200 bucks, right, like, I, I would go on Republican pages and I would say... It's so it's not socialism when Republicans do it, <laughs> you know. No, but what's it's interesting so though is that the Democrat. But what's interesting in this situation, it was the opposite. It was the Democrats are like, oh no, you can't do this, right? And yeah, like um, it's basically again. I think Republicans would support it only if like a huge uh, influential Republican says it's okay. So for example, when the president of the country who is currently a member of the Republican Party, and he does something uh, socialistic or similar to might, well, might be considered socialism, Republicans are going to be like, oh, that's not socialism. That's, you know, like a, they'll make up some kind of excuse for it. I heard a bunch of people tell me, oh, that's not socialism. That's something else. Oh, yeah. Uh, I told them, hey, guys. Is, uh, yeah. Free market, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, w- I would tell them, but guys, let's be honest here. If Barack Obama did the same thing, you guys would accuse him of being a socialist, which he uh, wasn't really a socialist. Oh, gosh, no, no. I mean, the only thing that you could say that he was a socialist on was Obamacare. 
Uh, but even that, yeah, and that was still horrible too. Yeah, it was horrible. But I mean, like it, it wasn't as it wasn't as socialistic as a lot of Republicans、uh, kind of painted as it was. There were still free market alternatives in the、uh, in in Obamacare and well in the Affordable Care Act in its、uh, in its regular in its actual name.、Uh, but no,、uh, no, you're completely right. If any Democrat would have proposed it, all the Republicans would label it socialist. It's evil. It's wrong. It's anti-free market. But If the current president does it, it's a okay. Yeah, and I'm thinking, hey, like maybe it's maybe because、uh, deep down inside, Republicans understand maybe you know like a、uh, some light form of socialism. And it doesn't have to be socialism. I mean, like、uh, I'm not necessarily saying, oh, let's just replace capitalism with socialism, and boom, we're happy. Definitely, I'm not saying that at all. But like, I believe that we need something else, some other alternatives. You know, maybe a, like a mixed economy. Now, people will say that we live in a mixed economy right now, but I guess you could say that there are different variations of mixed economies as well. Just like there are different variations of socialism, different variations of capitalism, different variations of communism. So why can't there be different variations of a mixed economy? Well, absolutely. You know I mean, what I mean? Like there, there are people like we need to talk about liberals and conservatives or moderates. Like even with moderates and independents, there are those who are right leaning. And those who are left-wing, as it would be with a mixed economy, there could be mixed economies that are more capitalistic leaning, and then there could be mixed economies that are more socialistic leaning. If that makes any sense,、uh, you take a look at、yeah. some countries. Well, like I was saying in the, in Israel, I, you could make the point that it's a mixed economy、uh, because even though I mentioned all those socialistic aspects to it. Uh, the free market still definitely is a boom.、Uh, there is booming in Israel,、so. and then when you talk about countries such as oh gosh, what is it? The、uh, one of the Nordic states, I believe it's、uh, Norway itself.、Um, they're very.、Uh, they, I would say, they have a mixed economy as well, but leaning towards so- socialism in the sense that.、Um, Hello, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. Yeah.、Uh, I, felt, I, th- I thought I cut out for a second there, but anyways, in the sense that、uh, healthcare and education is paid for,、uh, or mostly subsidized in、uh, in one of those Nordic states, I'm pretty sure it's Norway. Yeah,、uh, and what's interesting is that simultaneously they're able to remain a monarchy at the same time. And there you go. <laughs> And there you go. That's another、yeah. interesting aspect, and it really speaks to the power of、um, it. Really speaks to the power of the variance of political and economic systems that exist in the world. Like you were saying, there, there's there's a monarchy with a bit of a socialistic economic system, and then in the United States you have Republican、uh, politics. And when I say Republican, I don't mean the party. I mean the、uh, the system of government. Uh, and then、yes. you have the economy, which I would say is mixed. Yes, probably a little bit more uh, uh, more capitalist leaning than I would say socialist.、Um, and then in other countries, you have an outright dictatorship、um, that's either more socialistic or capitalistic in、uh, in, in their economic systems. Yeah, I would say、um, like Saudi Arabia, for example.、Um... Uh, I'd say they're like a good example of this capitalistic,、uh, authoritarian regime right there. That's a perfect example, like, actually. Yeah. 
Although, like, I don't know, I don't know about their healthcare, but because I did hear that they also provide for their own citizens, so maybe, like, uh, they have some forms of socialism as well. So, but I mean, it, but, but I mean, it, when you say they have some uh, social, they have some socialist bits in their economy. I mean, there, right there, it shows that socialism itself isn't exactly an evil thing. It it's only evil because people make it evil. Or even capitalism's evil because people make it evil, you know. Like you're alluding earlier to pre-industrial revolution in the United States, it was mostly capitalistic for sure,、um, but it wasn't evil. People were living by themselves; they were mostly self-sufficient. You know, the、uh, the the myth of the individual, right?、Uh, yeah. The, uh, what's it called? It's like that type. It's the、uh, the strength of the individual, something like that, right? Which is very capitalistic,、mm-hmm. um, uh, but in Saudi Arabia, you're absolutely right. It's yes, even though it has socialistic, maybe it has some socialistic components, it's very much a capitalistic system.、Um, and it, again, it goes to show that again, not necessarily socialism or capitalism is evil. It's just who applies. These social, these socialistic or capitalistic measures is what makes them evil. If that makes sense. Yeah, like it makes a lot of sense to me, and I, and I hope it makes sense to our viewers, especially to the conservative or the establishment conservatives who are listening. Like、uh, we're just trying to help you guys open your mind. Like,、uh, like we don't want you to be stuck on the same old. Oh, like if it's something that I don't understand, that just socialism, communism. <laughs> Like、uh, the the world is beyond just、uh, that type of mentality where it's either capitalism or communism. There's more to the world than just this a limited state of mind. That's how I see Correct. it. It's less stark and more complicated. The world. Yeah, yeah. For example,、um, like I like to bring up the Soviet Union now.、Uh, I, I know some folks are going to be like, "Oh, it's Soviet Union. How long did they last?" And seventy years. And I'm not going to give like a huge history. On the USSR, because that's a completely different episode that I could cover. But、uh, I'll like to like just briefly, or I'll try to make it brief. I'll try to cover、um, briefly, like some of the economic aspects of the Soviet Union. And so, like when the Soviet Union was first being created in the 1920s, yeah, you had this、uh, degenerate Marxist theory just uh, being uh, spread out everywhere, and like、um, like it was just ruining the economy. And then, and I know it's controversial to say this, but when Stalin took over,、uh, he started to fix the economy.、Uh, I mean, let's put aside like the, the evil, dictatorial, bloody、uh, st- aspect of, of that, and let's just focus on the objective part, right? Right. And so, if we look at if we look at the economy, where well, a lot of communists、um, actually, like、uh, I was listening to this one、uh, Russian uh, communist uh, historian. He said that his gripe with Stalin is that Stalin introduced meritocracy, and meritocracy is when is when like you know you get paid what you deserve.、Uh, um, basically, you have competition, and if you're a good worker, you get paid more, you get raises. If you're a crappy worker, you just don't get any raises, no promotions, nothing. You, you know, you're just a you know you just get what you get, you just get what you deserve. Basically, that's what meritocracy is. And what's interesting is that like. Uh, establishment conservatives make the false assumption that only capitalism has meritocracy, which is a lie. Because、uh, 
in the Soviet Union, um, they had meritocracy. They once Stalin took over, and after him, and like uh, was Khrushchev, and after Khrushchev, you had Brezhnev. Like they had this meritocratic system. You know, if you're a good worker, you uh, you have the incentive to, to get promoted. Uh, you might have a higher paycheck and so forth, right? And so, like, um, you can still have meritocracy in communism or socialism as well. Like, and earlier we we said this multiple times. We said there are different variations of socialism and communism, and and like, uh, I guess economic theories, just like political theories, evolve. And like, you could have like some guy like Karl Marx come up with a crappy theory as, as just this communist communism, and then later on you have like a uh, some followers of communism who kind of twist it and distort it a bit and kind of create their own variants of it and then they make it slightly better than what Marx um, Marx thought of and uh, the, and so the same thing with with capitalism um, uh, it just evolved from like a normal free market uh, agricultural free trade and then it just became monopolized heavily by these evil corporations that exist today indeed absolutely and they're still making those corporations are still making their mark in uh, politics in the United States and in the world. Yeah, and, and so uh, ju- I just want to just remind people that uh, meritocracy is not limited only to capitalism. Because I remember listening to Stephen Crowder, and he talked about how, like, uh, how like there's this nice lady at the Dunkin' Donuts who is always awesome and she deserves a raise. And I'm thinking, yeah, but her corporate, but her corporation doesn't see that way. Exactly. <laughs> like it's really, especially today, like uh, uh, in America, like um, when people say, uh, or when people ask you, why, why are you jealous of, of this uh, corporation, or why are you jealous of them? And we're not really jealous of them. We're just wondering how did they get to their position? <laughs> and like, I highly doubt meritocracy had a, a role to play. And I highly doubt that the current capitalist system right now in America. I highly doubt that there is any meritocracy involved. I, I believe there's lots of nepotism instead. Oh, absolutely. Again, nepotism could exist. Nepotism could exist in any uh, economic system. That's also, like, that's also true. But like, um, if you look at modern day America, I look at like a, uh, like a lot of these uh, corporate people, these CEOs. I'm thinking you got there through nepotism. You did not get there because you're some smart person and. You know, you worked your, you worked your way up there. You, you had to do. You probably had to do some things you're not proud of to get to that position, or you just know somebody who knows somebody. That's it. Like these days, it's really hard. It truly is harder and harder to actually become independent and like, uh, or work your way through uh, and achieve uh, your CEO status uh, the right way. You know, it's getting harder and harder. Like. Um, that's uh, how I see it and today. That's what I believe modern capitalism is today in America. And there's nothing wrong if we look for other alternative, other alternatives. And it doesn't have to be socialism. It could be some kind of third position. Uh, and I don't think we talk too much about third position. No, in fact, and, our, uh, in, in, yeah. in fact, my man, uh, why don't you give our viewers, our listeners, a bit of an overview of what third position economics actually means? Because we hear it some, we hear it so many times. We hear it a lot on the internet. We hear it a lot uh, on TV, like, "Oh, third position is bad," all that. But tell, tell, tell our listeners what exactly that means, and if there are any variations to third position economics. 
Well, personally, I would say their position in itself could be, uh, like we discussed earlier, it could be a mixed economy. Like, um, like if you look at the origins of their positionism, it started during the Cold War. And like basically, I, and I forgot the uh, guy who created the term, I forgot his name, but he said we need some kind of system that is beyond socialism, beyond capitalism, beyond communism, beyond all, beyond all of those economic uh, theories. And basically, that's what um, how I see their position. Well, their position. Uh, sorry, I had a tongue twister there. <laughs> but I believe their position. I believe their positionism is beyond all this. Like it's some kind of alternative to that. And um, of course, um, I don't want to use the word fascist, <laughs> right? But like uh, some people view their position as probably just this fascist alternative, right? And I'm not talking about Nazism. No, 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 fascism. It's a completely different ideology and a completely different economic system um, and so some people uh, view their positionism as uh, somewhat fascistic or some people say it is fascism and uh, again that's also like another variant of their position theory like it could be fascistic it doesn't have to be fascist it could be something else but it's basically this goal this this strive or people are striving to find something beyond capitalism and beyond communism something that balances balances uh, out basically so then let me ask you this question um can someone be a third positionist and support say um and support republican politics or be a monarchist we've already touched upon that you could be a fascist and yeah. be a third position well well, well uh, but yeah you- like well, well yeah, for instance. Yeah, yeah, like basically, uh, yeah, you, you could still you could still uh, be a Republican and you still be a monarchist or a Democrat or I don't think libertarian because libertarian is, is basically a combination of politics and economics. But like I would say, yeah, you can still be a Republican politically and still support like this third position ideology where you're trying to figure out a better economic policy for your nation, for your people, for your family, basically. So the idea of third position economics—it's not just—it's not just for the economy. Make it so that the economy is great for individual people, for the rich. It's supposed to benefit a people or a nation as a whole. First, that's his first priority. Is that what you would say the essence of third position uh, economics is? I would say yes, because, for example, if your economic policy is detrimental to your people, but it's beneficial to like a small amount of uh, uh, corporate businessmen, or if it's beneficial to a few politicians, then, uh, yeah, like, but their positionism is basically looking out for your people, putting your people first, economics second, you can say that. Okay, well, that makes perfect sense. Because because when you put your people first, you will eventually figure out a better economic system for your people. Like, because uh, when you think about economics first, then people, you're like, oh, okay, well, this what I like this economic system, boom, and you guys enjoy it, right? <laughs> but when you think about your people first, you, hey, like, I love my people, I love my nation. Then you'll figure out, so how do I help them? How do I help my family? Like, and when I say family, I'm not, I'm not just talking about your immediate family. I mean, your, your family is your nation. Like if you're a citizen of the United States, we're one we're, we're one big family, like it or not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and so yeah. it, it's interesting and what so, you uh, what yeah. you say. It's about um, 
Oh, I totally forgot. I was going to say they're shooting shots. <laughs> Never mind then. Yeah, it happens to me too. <laughs> It'll come to me, I promise. Yeah, and so third positionism is just this other alternative that we could uh, search into. So, like, that's another alternative, I guess you could say, to this current capitalist system oh, that we have. And because I think it's hard, I yes. I remember exactly what, yeah. I gonna, what I was going to say. So, um, earlier we were speaking about the variance of third position politics, uh, or excuse me, economics, and how it's supposed to work for the benefit of a people or a nation first. Now, the interesting thing about the variance of third position politics from what our viewers are hearing right now is that it's not a one-size-fits-all sort of economic system. Like it, like you said, like we said, there's variation to it. So what works for one people or one nation may not work for another people or another nation. So one could have in nation A a variance of third position economics that works best for that people. And then in, in uh, Nation B, or, or People B, a variation of third position economics that works for that nation, and so on for Nation C through Z, and all that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. it also depends on, on the culture you live in, and, and so forth, and it depends on the demographics of people. But, like, um, uh, again, it's all a theory. And uh, if you look, if you look at, uh, for example, Russia, yes, uh, yes, uh, we'll mention Russia once in a while uh, on these podcasts. <laughs> but like, if you look at, if you look at Russia, um, yes, it's doing better under Putin economically. Not too good. I mean, there are still a lot of problems there. But if you compare uh, the era of 1991 up to 1999, it was horrible. Russia was a third world country economically speaking, right? And so Putin shows up and starts fixing the economy and things get better now. And so like uh, things are a lot better right now, but still uh, many people, especially the folks who have lived in the Soviet Union in the 60s, 70s and 80s, they'll tell you life back then was better on an economic level. They'll say that, yeah, life was better. They did not worry about their jobs. They didn't worry about uh, getting fired. Well, I mean, uh, they worried about getting fired, but you weren't fired immediately on the spot, you know, like it, like it was a process. But like um, pe- people were uh, people enjoyed uh, just the economic uh, status that they had back then. Like they did not ha- strive to be millionaires. They just made enough to support their families, to support. Uh, yeah, just to support their families eventually. And like uh, they made enough to have an apartment. Uh, of course, uh, getting a car is a luxury. You have to make lots of money or save lots of money. But like uh, again, that's one of the downsides uh, that they had. But still, um, uh, so like when you, you ask people, why do you want to go back to the Soviet Union? It's communistic, and people are like, well, we don't want the communism there. Like we don't want the uh, communist politics necessarily, or the socialist politics. They just wanted the economics back. That's what what they want. So when they say, yeah, let, let's go back to the Soviet Union, they're not saying let's go back to the brutality of Stalin or they're not saying let's go back to the communist politics. They just want the economics or communist or socialist economics that they had. Right. Uh, if no, that makes sense. It works for the benefit of their nation. You know, they maybe did not necessarily yeah. agree with the political structure of the Soviet Union, 
But when it came to the economics and how it was benefiting them, of course they wanted because it was working. It was benefiting them as a people. Exactly. But for example, my parents they could tell you a lot of bad things about the Soviet Union. At the same time, they'll tell you a lot of good things <laughs> because it was mostly the politics、uh, that you could say were bad. But the economics, when it came to taking care of your people, people were not afraid of. You know, they weren't too worried. They weren't too scared to end up being on the street or something like that. And uh, they uh, they had rights and so and so forth. And、um, uh, oh, I was also going to mention on this.、Um, Also, the Soviet Union was not like this one monolithic country. There are 15 countries in the Soviet Union. Each republic, each Soviet republic,、um, had their own、uh, their own constitution. So you had the Soviet constitution, a federal constitution. Then you had the republics. Each republic had a, a republic constitution. So Russia had its own separate constitution that was separate from the Soviet Union.、Uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The Russian、uh, constitution. Then you had the Soviet constitution. There were two different、right. things. Same thing applies to other republics.、Um, Ukraine had their own constitution, while at the same time having a federal Soviet constitution. And what's interesting, though, is that Georgia, the Republic of Georgia, Armenia,、uh, when it came to economics, they're more loose. They they had more、uh, entrepreneurship there. Now, if you go to Russia, if you go to, went to Russia with,、uh, during the Soviet era, like、uh, the laws were different. They did not really allow any entrepreneurship, right? Like everything was state owned. But in Georgia,、uh, they kind of allowed certain people to have have their own small, tiny businesses. Of course, they had to, you know,、um, file、uh, file some paperwork with the government. And or the Baltic countries. By the way,、um, I don't care if there are any Balts listening right now. I don't care if this offends you, but、uh, the Baltic economy was a lot better. The, the, the three Baltic countries, Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia, they were a lot better. Under the Soviet Union, when the Soviet Union broke away, they had nothing. Like、uh, they had no more industry. They even destroyed a lot of the in, a lot of the industrial buildings that were built by the Soviet government. They destroyed them, and then they're like, "Oh wow, our economy is is broken." But let's blame the Soviets for that <laughs> instead of blaming themselves for destroying their own economy. Well, you know, what, yeah, and then I think that we should inform、yeah. our viewers. Some of them might not actually know this, but the name USSR、yeah. it actually means. Um, United something, United Soviet. It's it's、uh, Union Soviet Union Socialist,、uh, Soviet Socialist, Socialist Republics. Republics. Union Soviet Socialist so Republics. Made、yeah. up of different republics. Republics. So you have the Russian, Ukrainian,、uh, Kazakhstan.、Yeah. I think Mongolia too. So, no, no, Mongolia. Mongolia was not. Mongolia was separate. Yeah, Mongolia was a. It was independent. Well,、yeah. the point is, is that the.、Uh, The Soviet Union really was a union, and it was a union of Soviet socialist republics. Just in case people didn't didn't know that. Exactly. Quick little side note there. Yeah, yeah, and and so like each republic had their own variations.、Uh, like it's just like the United States. You know, you will have、uh, the federal constitution, and then we have state constitutions. It's exactly the same way, actually. Yeah. yeah. State basically governs itself、uh, like semi-independently, not completely, but semi-independently. There are certain rules that we're allowed to pass; the federal government cannot override, and and there are certain laws that the federal government could override. Yeah, and the,、uh, the same thing was the same system existed in the Soviet Union, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And, now the Baltic countries,、uh, like I like to just、uh, finish off with the Balt- Baltic countries too. They basically、um, right now they're in the European Union. 
right? And they're still not really like uh, they're doing better uh, when, than they were when they were in the. Sorry, uh, I got my tongue twisted again. <laughs> but basically, the Baltic countries, uh, yeah, they're doing better right now because they're in the European Union. But like, um, they did a lot better under the Soviet Union. That's how I see it because the Soviet Union built stuff for them. They built everything for them. They self subsidized them. And the EU, like right now, I mean, like they're not really doing much for the Baltic countries. <laughs> like the Baltic countries, they're doing better than they did in the 90s when they were independent completely from any union. When they were not in the Soviet Union, they're just independent. They joined the EU and like they're like, okay, well, it's slightly better than what they had in the 90s. But yeah, like uh, the, e, the EU itself didn't, isn't doing much for them. <laughs> Yeah, no. Well, that's an, that's a, that's another topic of a, a potential topic of a podcast right there. But no, absolutely, it's true. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, of course, yeah. EU politics. That's whew, out there right now. Oh yeah, yeah. And basically, the point is, you know, like uh, yeah, like yeah, the Soviet Union did not really have capitalism like all over the board. But again, each republic has had their own uh, variants of economics, and there was some slight tiny bit of capitalism in certain republics tiny bit like like a like a hint like a like a tiny small portion of capitalism like but yeah uh, a smidgen yeah you say a smidgen yeah and i mean like so there's so many so much variation so many other and different variants ones. of economic theories yeah and new ones yes exactly this is what i like about uh i guess the trump um presidency or, or the trump era is that like um I think this is when like more uh, young people started to get involved in politics. Well, certainly. And so like uh, a lot of the four. Yeah. Well, I've been involved in politics since uh, Ron Paul, basically. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm old. I'm 30 years old. I'm 30 years old, everybody. So, yeah. But like uh, with the Internet uh, and Trump running for president, a lot of uh, young uh, Republicans or let's just say former young republicans started to look into other theories into other right-wing theories and like i like um like we have so many other alternative movements you could say that are not limited to this republican train of thought or this republican love for capitalism we have uh, a lot of young people who are finding other economic alternatives that's right and you know again and even with these even if they settle on one economic alternative to that there's nuance so I, I, find, I just find it so fascinatingly beautiful that to everything in politics there's nuance there's nuance to uh, democracy to republics to uh, democracy to, uh, to, to democracy like I said fascism communism uh, socialism capitalism even third position as we were just talking about i love how there's so much nuance but at the same time it's kind of sad how people just uh sort of sideline themselves into picking just one and that's it they don't really think they don't really think exactly when it comes to well i agree with this but maybe there's a little bit more nuance to whatever the topic is than what i thought there was maybe i should go research what uh what that nuance could be unfortunately a lot of people are too lazy to research as well this really says a lot about society 
Yeah, like like basically, and I guess in, in every country, like because uh, I I speak uh, three different langu- languages, and like uh, whenever I try to talk politics uh, in English, Russian, and Ukrainian, and I kind of realize that like people uh, don't really want to do their own research. If they're stuck in some ideology, they're stuck on it. They don't want to uh, move forward. And I'm thinking you can still support your ideas, but still do some research as well. Like um, you know, like do some research. Try to debunk me. Try to prove that I'm wrong. And like, like, don't be afraid to just explore. Be like, hey, you know, like maybe, like, uh, maybe we should try this experiment. You know, maybe we should have some kind of free healthcare system. Maybe, maybe it will work. Absolutely. Maybe it could work. You know, um, there are there are there are politicians who are suggesting that we should uh, we should forgive student debt loans, student loans. Maybe that's something we should explore. Maybe we shouldn't, but the point is, we shouldn't just immediately have a knee-jerk reaction, say no or yes. Find out for yourself whether or not that would be a good idea. Find out for, like, for example, we could, yeah, like、uh, we could still have a capitalist、uh, system. We could still have a capitalist society while at the same time having a free healthcare system. It, it is possible. I mean, that, but that would just be the only socialistic element.、Um, Of our capitalistic economy, if that makes sense, it doesn't mean so. Just because, and、yeah. that's something that a lot of Republicans and a lot of、uh, people on the right, more on the mainstream, don't understand. Simply because you adopt maybe something that's socialistic doesn't necessarily make you a communist or、uh, a socialist, or nor does it remove your status as a capitalist. It just simply means that. For this, for the time being, at this time in the nation's history, this sort of measure is warranted. Whether it's a capitalist or socialistic uh, uh, economic measure, such as free healthcare, exactly universal、uh, healthcare、yeah. to be more precise, or、um, student loan forgiveness. Exactly, and、uh, I mean, like.、Um... Uh, actually, now I lost my train of thought. <laughs>、okay, see, it happens to both of us. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we could, yeah, yeah. So like,、uh, <laughs> but yeah, we can still have this system. We can still have a perfect capitalist system and figure out a way how, how to cover uh, uh, healthcare. And actually, I remember what, what I was going to say.、Um, basically,、uh, you're saying that like if、uh, like if we need it right now, like we're we're at a certain age. Uh, where we're, we're at, we're at the time.、Uh, sorry, in,、uh, in history, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes my tongue gets twisted when, when I talk real fast. <laughs> But yeah, like、uh, we're at a certain point right now that maybe we should try something else. And、uh, if you look at the wages, if you look at how much people are being paid, it's disgusting. And like people are getting paid less, and prices are going up, and rents getting high.、Uh, People's wages aren't getting higher, and yeah, maybe it's time for the government to kind of fix something for the people, do something good for the people. I highly doubt that they want to do good for the people, but <laughs> like,、uh, but maybe it's time for us as people to realize, hey, maybe we should not vote for Democrat or Republican. Maybe there's some other alternative parties that might support some kind of change in the、it's、economy. It's entirely possible. I mean. The thing is, is that we live, we live in a, we live in a, I guess say we live in a society, but we live in a country where it is basically a two-party system, 
And if you do, and if you have taken any political theory classes in, in college, you'll learn that there are different countries that have parliamentary systems with multi-party systems, and then you have countries like the United States, which are two-party systems. The thing about a two-party system is that though it offers less choice, it's inherently more stable than a multi-party system.、Um, you take a actually, let's take the example of Israel, the Knesset. Uh, just recently, as of maybe like two or three months ago,、uh, the Israeli government was finally able to create a governing coalition.、Um, because in Israel, there are many different. There, it's a multi-party system. So, and it's based on religion. It's based on people. It's based on people. It's based on、uh, economics. I think there's a socialist party in Israel. Um, and an Arab party in Israel. So when when it, when Israel gets together to create a government, they have to form coalitions with these disparate parties. And so what that does is that it creates、um, inefficiencies in the government because the government isn't、uh, creating legislation; it isn't governing because the parties are too busy with creating coalitions to govern. The government, whereas in a two-party system, or even in a three-party system, but let's just take the two-party system for example. All one needs is just a slight majority in your particular legislature in order to govern the government, to begin legislating, if that makes any sense. So inherently, a、oh, two-party、yeah. system, or even if it's a a three-party system.、Um, The, le- the fewer the, the fewer the parties, the more efficiency they'll be in government. The downside to that is yes, there is less choice.、Um, with multi-party systems, you get a hell of a lot of choice, but you also get a little bit more instability,、oh, yeah. a lot more instability when it comes to the government actually、yeah. being able be, being able to function and to govern the electorate. Yes, and so basically, to add to your thing,、uh, you know how like、uh, we just have this two-party system, and like、uh, what's interesting is that like、uh, within the Democrats, for example, you have different variations of Democrats as well. You have the, like the far-left Democrats, and, like the and like then you have like the center, like a center-left.、Uh, let's say the establishment folks、right. like Pelosi, right? And what's interesting though is that they support capitalism, like a.、Uh, Uh, one, one false assumption that Republicans make about Democrats is that they're all just inherently socialists, which is definitely not true. There are many, many Democrats who are hardcore capitalists. There are many liberals and progressives who are, are hardcore capitalists.、Uh, for example, Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates, right? But、uh, what I'm trying to say is that, like,、uh, what's interesting is that, like,、uh, you're correct、uh, about the whole、uh, two-party system being more stable. And what I'm saying is that basically what we should do is find like maybe two new alternative parties. That maybe these two new alternative parties could actually fix our economic system. Maybe because what's interesting is that on the Democrat wing, you already have like different branches of the Democrats. You have these socialist uh, liberals. Uh, politically, they are degenerate, but economically,、uh, the, yeah, they're degenerate economically. I guess. I guess, yeah, you say that as well. But like,、uh, at least Democrats have su- have succeeded 
and allowing the far left folks, the far left folks to enter their party and be elected. Uh, while the Republican Party has failed to recruit any far right uh, people into the party. They failed to have any far right people in Congress or the Senate. Well, in Congress, we already have um, a few um, far people who are on, on the far left, for example, Ocasio-Cortez and uh, other people. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Imam something, then uh, Rashid, something Rashid. Yeah. Like, um, but basically what I'm saying is that uh, eventually I believe that maybe the uh, Democrat party might even just disappear and maybe we'll start having more socialists running and we'll have like the socialist party or something while the Republicans, like uh, like if they fail, maybe they'll get replaced by some right far right party. And economically speaking, economically speaking, it, it may be possible that this new far right party and this far left party could actually be united together when it comes to economics so like um because i noticed that many people who are on the far right when it comes to uh, uh, other alternatives to capitalism uh they're in agreements that they there are different um uh, economic theories that we could experiment with the republican party on the other hand like they're currently establishment so what i'm saying is that we should uh figure out a way or try to convince people to just no longer vote for the establishment parties no more democrats or republicans not even libertarians just vote for other parties that, and maybe we maybe we could someday form like this new two-party system with two new parties that would be quite the political feat if that were ever actually to occur myself i will have to tell you right now i'm actually i'm skeptical uh that'll actually happen don't get me wrong do i want it to happen yes uh, because I do want <laughs> choice in in uh, elector in our in our electoral politics. Uh, I just do not see that happening right now. I mean, what I see is what I what I see is that of course, yeah, at least yeah. the left, the, the the far left people are taking over their party incrementally. I mean, again, look at those people who were elected, uh, Ocasio Cortez. Rashid Talib, I think, in uh, uh, and then Imam something in Minnesota. Those people are, are very far left, but I don't see that. You're right. There, there have there have been right wing politicians, far right politicians, elected in the Republican Party. Now there is this one guy, I forgot his name, in Alabama who lost. No, Steve, no, no, no. Oh, it's not Iowa. Stephen King, right? Um, but I like him too. Um, no, it was the guy in Alabama who, or I think it was Alabama, who lost the uh, the special the special election uh, seat that was vacated by Jeff Sessions when he became the Attorney General. I I, I know who you're talking about, but I also <laughs> forgot the guy's well, name. The, he's the only guy that I can think of that would have been the far, yeah. far um, somewhat far right guy. Uh, being elected to uh, the Senate, um, but I feel so. The the main point of all this is that I can I can see the left wing, the far left wing, taking over the uh, Democratic Party eventually. It'll take time, but the far right needs to do would have to do the same thing in the Republican Party. Again, I just don't see the, these two parties splitting up 
and creating two new parties, I just don't see it politically happening. Something drastic would have to happen. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like not at the moment, but I believe that they will evolve to that point sometime. But I believe that the left or the Democrats will eventually evolve further beyond the Democratic Party. Like not today, not tomorrow, but maybe maybe 20, 25 years, 30 years, right? Well, the Republicans are still going are still being kind of slow with this whole political evolution. And in the end, at the same time, like uh, the question is, what about the economy? Like, well, like, like how this affects our economy? Um, because I believe that our, our current economy needs drastic change, though. So politically, we can still be slow, we can slowly evolve. But who's going to fix the economy? Like, uh, who's going to help our people? Like, is there? Like, will people realize that there should be some other solution to capitalism? The world may never know. But the question is, will the people ever know or will the people realize, hey, you know, we need to start electing politicians that are not uh, just interested in promoting capitalism, but what is beneficial for the people first? We shall see indeed, because it's going to be tough to find people uh, to, to get people to understand that they need to think in the interest of the people first, not simply the economy. Exactly, because I remember uh, this one guy. Uh, I'm not going to say his name, but but he said um, uh, measuring a, a country or judging a country by its GDP is horrible. So <laughs> it's, it's a horrible thing, you know, because like if, if the people are happy, if people are fine, and like and people are being taken care of, you know, like does GDP exactly. matter? And in that case, you know, the answer would be no, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for example, Gaddafi. You know, you had this. Uh, like a so-called dictator, uh, and he probably was, you know, like, uh, but like a, when he came to power, he had to, uh, I guess, uh, be a little tough just to uh, get into his position. But then, um, economically speaking, I mean, uh, a lot of Libyans said that everything was fine under Gaddafi. They weren't worried about being kidnapped in the middle of the night. They weren't worried about, you know, police not patrolling the streets. Um, married couples got like I forgot how much money they got, but they got like a huge amount of money. Like um, um, newlyweds will will get a huge amount of money uh, in order for them to like uh, find a place to live uh, and to take care of the kids that they're going to give birth to. Is another incentive for childbirth. And so, if you have a good economy, if your people are benefiting from an economy, your people have more incentive to give birth and uh, to continue the offspring of a nation. And a capitalism today, I don't, I don't believe that it's doing that. I think it's doing the opposite. It's basically uh, telling people, hey, think about the money. Do you really need a family? Do you really need to provide for someone else? Provide for yourself. You know, so that's why you know, many women are being uh, misled into thinking, hey, you, know, you don't need a man to provide for you. You need to uh, fight your own battles. Uh, what was the phrase yeah, of the bootstraps? It's the myth of the yeah. strong, uh, independent woman. Yeah. And you know your 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 point is well taken. I mean, you see it in the birth rates um, in the United States right now. And if you take a look at why those birth rates are falling, it's absolutely the economy. And it's another fact too. I was actually talking about this to a friend of mine a few days ago. In the United States, we have the worst, the absolute worst commute in the United States. 
you know, overall, and it, it goes, you know, it's it's different per metropolitan area. But if you take the average, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And then the fact that both parents have to work in order for in order to actually put food on the table, that's incredibly disconcerting because you're right. It de-incentivizes people to have birth and to create a prosperous, growing nation. Right now, the United States is shrinking. Our birth rate is shrinking. The natural born rate is shrinking. Yeah. So basically, like natural born citizens are shrinking, while illegals are coming in, or or migrants, not necessarily illegals, but regular migrants are coming in and having、uh, lots of families. And I mean, as a immigrant myself, who got here legally, <laughs> I, I was here as a baby. And now my family, like, yeah, we did not have too many kids. It's just Uh, me, my mom, my dad, and my sister. And、um, but like, if you look at other、uh, families that came from the Soviet Union, for example, in the nineties,、uh, they、um, they had lots of family. They had like huge families. They had like five kids, six kids, and then those kids got, grew up and got married. And then like、uh, some of my friends、uh, that I kn- knew that are、uh, of Russian descent, they're married and they have about you know three, four kids, five kids. Uh, my uncle, he's got about seven kids now, and like,、uh, while the typical American who's being born and raised here is、uh, being de-、uh, being sensitive—I'm not sure if I'm using that word properly—but like, there's no more incentive to give birth for them, or there is an incentive, but they don't want to,、um, I guess,、uh, follow it.、So、they want to just、uh, live for themselves. They want to live through. Or they want to live their life selfishly. They want to live their life for themselves only and nobody else. And I think that is another problem with modern-day American capitalism. It creates greed and it creates self、uh, selfishness. And、um, like,、uh, if you listen to a lot of people,、uh, like who talk about the old days, you know, like when people were helped each other out and were nicer nicer to each other. And like, I think it's because we had like less capitalism. Like, we didn't have too much of it, but now we, we have so much of it. It's like basically, oh, it's every person's to himself. You know, it's this libertarian idea of individualism. And I also listened to boomers from the Soviet Union, and they said, yeah, like、uh, in Russia, they got we, we got some capitalism there, and、uh, yeah, like the economy's doing better under Putin or under Putin's version of capitalism. But they said people were nicer to each other in the Soviet Union. People were a lot kinder to each other. They helped each other out. Like、uh, they were not they were not afraid to. Each other out. They weren't afraid that the person might rob them to help them. You know, they were not scared. But here in in the states,、uh, I hear a lot of migrants say, "Yeah, people here in the states,、uh, they're very selfish. They're or they're too scared to help someone out. They're like, 'Oh, it's not my problem. I'll just call the cops or I'll, I'll just you know, walk away.' Like they're not interested in helping. And again, I'd say subconsciously, capitalism does play a role. It plays this role of creating in, huge amounts of individualism. Or this, it's a pretty individualistic mentality. Individualism in and of, and, in and of itself yeah. isn't a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. Exactly.、Um, and neither is collectivism a、yeah. bad thing. It's a good thing. It's how nationalism actually、uh, comes to be. You can't have nationalism without collectivism. Well, let's, let's just say, let's just say,、uh, well, let's say too much, too much of one thing、uh, could also be bad.、Yeah. Like so, like,、uh, yeah, you, you, you corrected. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. You properly said it. It's hype. It's hyper individualism, and I can't. I can't believe I forgot that phrase. <laughs> yeah, exactly.、Um, 
yeah yeah it's, it's hyper individualism and like like you know like 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 i was saying too much of a good thing can too much in fact too much of a good thing can be bad like i was saying individualism collectivism they're both good things too much of a good thing is bad too much individualism you have what you have now people who are apathetic towards their fellow man they don't care um and then too much too much hyper collectivism you have you create a herd mentality what i think yeah and what i think of as the healthy mix between the two is the small town mentality where everyone knows each other's names you know they're individual they're their own individual but at the same time they're also part of a collective you know the small town you know the small town mentality is not a bad mentality to have where you're friendly towards your neighbor and everyone knows your name it's like cheers but with maybe less alcohol <laughs> but yeah like I, i agree um I, i say we should strive for that like um and yeah like uh you see like uh, to, to everyone who's listening uh this is what we're talking about like uh there's more to uh life than just capitalism or socialism you know there's so many other alternatives that we could try to explore figure out and like uh i'd say you know like um like uh basically we need to strive for better things like figure out like is hyper capitalism good it's too much capitalism good thing maybe we need a, just a little bit of socialism just a tiny bit you know like that's how that's how i see it like what do you think you know it's a smission you know you need you need you need a little bit of you need good things of both systems like for socialism one of the good things is that it does provide benefits to those who perhaps maybe out of luck or maybe out of work uh for instance food stamps uh, unemployment benefits those are socialistic economic measures that's not something you would find in a capitalist pure free market system on the other side there are great things there are great aspects of capitalism you know you strive for success right there is that profit motive that profit incentive the profit incentive is not a bad thing because you want to do well by yourself and you want to do well by your family take it to the extreme like with corporations you know in big business um then it's bad so the profit incentive and the desire to do well not only by yourself but for your family is a good thing that i see with capitalism so yes you need a little bit of both in my opinion you need to take the best parts of each Yeah, uh, exactly. And with uh, another thing I like to uh, mention it, uh, is that like uh, a lot of um, Republicans, it's mostly Republicans who come up with uh, some of the, some of this BS that we're trying to debunk here. <laughs> But like uh if you, uh, Republicans believe that like uh capitalism has entrepreneurship, socialism does not. And like, I already mentioned earlier like uh in the, in the discussion about Soviet republics how some of them had like a smidgen of entrepreneurship right there. But socialism itself is not against entrepreneurship. Like uh for example, uh France. France is it's a socialist republic. It's a very socialist and they still have millionaires and billionaires. They have uh guys who own corporations, their own private corporations and and so forth. And other countries. Uh, you mentioned that Norway um, before and I would like to mention Sweden. Uh they they got this mix of free market and they also have socialism as well. And 
but they still have billionaires and millionaires. So socialism itself, uh, it's not necessarily against the rich. That's another false perception that Republicans have. And I think it's because maybe because the American version of Antifa or the American chapters of Antifa, they're against the rich. And so, and they claim to be socialists and that kind of confuses the well, minds of Republicans or conservatives. But, too, which further adds to the, uh, to the confusion. Yeah. Yeah, but in reality, socialism itself, uh, and I don't talk about communism, but socialism itself is not against entrepreneurship. It's not against people becoming rich. It's not against meritocracy. Communism, yeah, you, you could argue that, yeah, like it's against the rich. But then again, it depends which version of communism you're talking about. <laughs> like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, in the Soviet Union, like, they did not really have millionaires, but there were still people who had more money than others. And there were still people who had more privileges and benefits than others. Yeah, so if you're like the, if you're like a, a Soviet CEO of some big factory, right? Uh, well, you got like this nice condo. Uh, you've got a personal car that the state gives to you because you earned it. You earned your position. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, like so, you may not necessarily get a monetary uh, compensation, but you get like a, you know, a, a free car and a, and a good car too. So, like a like meritocracy could exist in a non-capitalist system. Indeed. Indeed. I think we had a really productive uh, conversation today. Uh, wouldn't you say, my friend? Yeah, like uh, basically, um, it's it's our very first show together, and like basically, um, we're going to continue doing more shows uh, in the future, and uh, hopefully, we make this a weekly thing together. Because uh, I'd say uh, uh, Dio yeah, and exactly I, we will vibe pretty well. So- to everyone here who joined us on our very first podcast we'd love to say thank you very much in your support and listening um later on we will we have we actually have a patreon page that we'd love for you to go to it's www.patreon.com slash hall of kings please go there and show your appreciation for us that way too so i am mio dio aka the king of wow reacts and my friend The Alt Monarchist. We're both signing out. I hope you have a fantastic, wonderful rest of the day. Goodbye.